Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers Podcast. We're your happy hosts, Amy and Madeline, best friends who work hard and hustle harder. We believe to be happy and healthy in your work, you need to be happy and healthy in your life. Through storytelling, we combine health, well-being and business with a fresh perspective to share the stories of normal people with inspiring lives. From leading entrepreneurs to athletes, models and artists, together we delve deep into their journey to success to find out why health and well-being is the core of their philosophy. Whether you're looking for advice and guidance for leading your best life, an engaging, easy-to-digest pep talk, or a boost of healthy enthusiasm to fuel your health and wellness goals, the Healthy Hustlers podcast is your go-to for kicking ass in work and play. Sarah Holloway started her professional career as a mergers and acquisitions lawyer at a leading international law firm. But after three years of long hours, multiple cups of coffee daily, and a creative side that wasn't being nurtured, Sarah found herself embarking on a new life journey she never knew possible. After discovering matcha green tea on an overseas trip, Sarah and her partner Nick started a side hustle, Matcha Maiden, which in just six months turned into a booming international business which saw them secure ranging in one of the largest fashion department stores in the world. A firm believer in finding the happiest you so you can live your happiest life, the health and wellness guru has been on an epic journey since launching Matcha Maiden, her green tea powder that took the health world by storm. We chat to the happy go-getter about taking the leap from lawyer to entrepreneur, her practical tools for ensuring you're always investing in you, and the importance of slowing down and listening to your body. Sarah, welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Let's kick off today by hearing about your happy place. Where do you go to unwind and reconnect? I actually got one of the best Christmas presents I've had in years from Nick last year because I one of my happy places is our place in the country and it's two and a half hours drive away and we can't always make it there. So he was like, how can I bring this for her into our daily life? And he got me an egg chair. You know those pod chairs that are like a little cocoon and you kind of crawl into them and he put it on our uh, balcony and every time I need to just unwind, I've never taken work in there. It's a place that, you know, I take essential oils in, a heat pack, a book, and that's my like little happy place that makes me feel like I'm escaping everything else from the day. So I crawl in there every day in the afternoon, do my afternoon meditation and unwind. Oh my goodness, that seriously sounds amazing. Um, Can I make that my happy place too? (laughs) Um, Now you're the co-founder of Matcha Maiden, the delicious green tea lattes that flood our Instagram feeds on a daily basis and Matcha Milk Bar here in Melbourne, Australia. Can you give us a little sneak peek into your life so far and how you became responsible for bringing matcha to the mass market? Yes, my gosh, it has been such an incredible journey and quite an accidental one, actually, which I love to use to show people that you can change your life in a really short amount of time and quite dramatically, even if it's not in your five-year plan. So I started out as a corporate mergers and acquisitions lawyer, so a very different traditional career path. I studied law at uni. I always thought I wanted to be a lawyer to get into a law firm, and then I did that for three years. 
And it was an absolutely incredible learning experience, uh, really taught me about business and commercial, you know, gave me a lot of commercial insight. But I very quickly found that my creative side, which has always popped up in um, a ballerina career early on in my life, I did arts law, so I'd always sort of balanced out my super geek side with my arty farty side. And that was getting no attention in such a um, strong commercial focused environment. So in my first year, Nick and I, my partner Nick has a creative agency and he'd been working on the Youth Generation Against Poverty's five cent campaign. And all of the funds had gone to a school in Rwanda in Africa. So we decided that I would take leave way too early for a grad at a law firm to take a month of leave. Uh, But, you know, I've been pushing boundaries since very early on. And we went to Rwanda to help build classrooms in one of the schools over there. And it was one of the most eye-opening and um, perspective-changing experiences that I've ever had and just totally, totally transformative. But I also got quite sick in the process. I got a parasite and lost 10 kilos. So I got down to 42, which at my height is just really severely underweight. Um, And that led to an episode of adrenal fatigue, which was quite quite intense. Um, I, you know, was needing to take quite a lot of time off work. I came back and tried to push through, but it was just really difficult. So as part of the recovery, I was told that I couldn't drink coffee anymore. And at the time I was like, guys, my life is like suits. I get no spare time. I need 10 cups of coffee a day to stay awake. What am I going to do without caffeine? Luckily, I got sent to the firm's headquarters in Hong Kong for a little stint during some of the deals that we were doing. And in Asia, matcha is not that foreign. You know, it's quite easily accessible. It's been around for centuries. And I'd suddenly discovered there's this healthy form of caffeination that still gives you a good boost of energy, but it was gentle on my adrenals. And I wouldn't go into, you know, the jitters and the crush that you often get with coffee. I was able to tolerate it and still sleep and still help recover and um, I just couldn't believe that it was so versatile so full of benefits it has 137 times the antioxidants of regular green tea Um, and it just was this like miracle superfood that also gave me energy so Nick came over and he got onto it as well and was using it to replace his coffee shots for pre and post workouts so that his coffee count per day wasn't too high and then we came home and just couldn't find it anywhere so it's the typical consumer frustrated at a gap in the market that then tried to fill it themselves. So we literally went on Google and were like, how to start a tea business? (laughs) It all started very DIY. And we found a beautiful blend that filled the gap that we saw in the market between traditional ceremonial tea and really low quality ingredient grade, like sugar filled equivalents in Asian groceries. This was organic. It was from Japan at its source, um, but you could only get 10 kilos. And I was like, wow, that's a lot to drink between two people. What are we, what are we going to do? <laughs> uh, but we bought it and we put it in bags. We went to Officeworks, went on eBay, got bags, stickers, learned about use-by dates and nutritional panels, uh, did a little social media campaign, and we sold out in a week. So it turned out that lots of other people had felt that same gap in the market and we were there to fill it. So that was the end of 2014. And within six months, we got into Urban Outfitters across the US. And that was the point where I realized it had grown so big that I had to leave my job to be able to continue the match emission. And it's been 
Yeah, we've been blazing a bright green trail since then. I left my job and a year later we opened the cafe to be the physical embodiment embodiment of our matcha mission. And now we've got 1,500 stockists around the world, a warehouse in the US, a warehouse in Melbourne, uh, the cafe obviously, and yeah, bright green future ahead. Oh my goodness, for such a young woman, you have achieved so much already. Congratulations. The growth of your business over the past three years has been absolutely phenomenal. What impact would you say this has had on your life and in particular your health? Definitely. It's been an absolute roller coaster and a really, really intense learning process. I think I really thought that I've always been passionate about health and wellness, fitness, nutrition, and I thought that turning my passion into my profession would mean that I lived and breathed it and that, you know, I was going to be at yoga studios every day and that, you know, if my whole life was matcha, how could I not be the picture of health? And it definitely allowed a lot more flexibility of hours and a lot more um, power over the way that I spend my time. But at the same time, I've actually found it almost harder to manage my well-being and my work-life balance since leaving the firm. Because I think when you're in a structured working environment where you're employed um, and your role is quite delineated, it's really a lot easier to switch off at the end of the day. But once you swap to something that you're really passionate about and you own it, you don't ever want to stop. There's just no incentive to take a holiday because every moment you do, you're losing time to implement your ideas and you're always filled with enthusiasm. There's absolutely no Monday blues. In fact, for the first two years, I don't think I even knew what day it was. There was no difference between weekends and weekdays, day or night. We were just on the whole time. And social media has allowed incredible growth and amazing relationships around the world it allowed us to grow the u.s market really quickly but then that added the the new difficulty of time zones like we couldn't even switch off on australian time let alone then creating an audience that had demands while we were meant to be sleeping so that kind of dynamic just added this whole new challenge to what was already a difficult wellness journey for me i obviously had had adrenal fatigue which um is difficult to manage and something you've got to look out for after you've had it once. But I also am an A-type OCD, anally retentive person who doesn't like to slow down at the best of time. So putting boundaries in place to make sure that I don't keep burning out has been a really big thing. And it's funny, I think it's the irony, irony of having a wellness business that you care so much about it. Most people who have wellness businesses have come into it as a passion project. And because of that, their wellness suddenly comes last. And that's the problem. You're trying to be a wellness ambassador and share people, share your wellness learnings and or your product or your services with the masses. But then behind the scenes, you can't get up at, you know, in the morning and you're struggling so much with your own energy. And suddenly you feel like that dichotomy is like, Am I being authentic? Am I living my philosophy? Um, how, how can I pull myself back to make sure I'm living my own values? And I actually had another crash, um, like a relapse of adrenal fatigue after the first one and a half years in. So I'd left the firm and had been full-time for a year and I just didn't stop. I was not only doing our actual work, But all the extra things like networking and going to events and getting exposure and, 
you know, there was no, no limit on time. I'd go to yoga studios and I'd think, oh, I'm doing my self-love and exercise, but I wanted that yoga studio to stock matcha. So I was actually on all the time. Then I'd speak at events at night and then I'd get up the next day and be at the cafe. And then there was just no, no off switch. So I ended up having a, another crash at the end of 2016. And that was when I was like, this is, this is not good. I'm all about like being an ambassador for my own brand and values and being as authentic as I can be. And if I can't look after my own wellness, then how can I expect anyone to listen to what I have to say about enhancing your life and, and using matcha to feel better? Because our whole philosophy is there's so matcha more to life. So it's based on the beauty of the product, but it goes beyond that for our community. And it's about seizing, seizing the yay, as I like to say, um, living your passion and living your best life, being your best self. But I wasn't doing that. So I really had to get hard on myself and put in some boundaries and still a work in progress, but slowly, slowly getting better at separating myself from the business. I can relate so much to everything that you just spoke about. I've been known to go, 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 and then completely burn out. So after having this experience, when the demands of your job and busy lifestyle increase, can you notice the little warning signs that tell you that it's time to slow down before you burn out again? That's a really good question. And I think a year ago, I wouldn't have known the answer. But what I've learned over the the recent crash and then realizing that I really had to make sure it didn't happen again is that my old advice would have always been listen to your body but the problem was when I was in that moment and this is the whole premise of adrenal fatigue is that you run on adrenaline and you actually feel really good I felt so energized by what I was doing that I'm sure there were warning signs going on in my body but adrenaline kind of cancels out their strength So you might feel like you're on top of the world and you hear this in lots of podcasts and lots of interviews, particularly among wellness people, that they're like, I was on top of the world, my business was going amazing and then I just suddenly crashed. But really, if you look back at it, it wasn't suddenly, it was actually a big build up that we had just been able to ignore because adrenaline keeps you going on false energy. So for me, there are certain things that I can look out for that I would have been ignoring then, like my glands go up when I'm a little bit run down and that sometimes starts to hurt a little bit down my throat. Um, Obviously, you just feel a little bit more tired and then Nick, my partner, and I work together and live together. So when it starts to feel like we're just housemates who work together, that's also a pretty good sign. Um, Just judging by how long it's been since our last date night, that's also a really good sign. But I think the big thing is learning to take a moment to let the adrenaline settle down so that you can actually listen for the the triggers they are there they're just under a lot of layers but the problem is we don't actually ever slow down enough to to feel them so something that i used to do but not often enough and not deeply enough is meditate and whether that was literally two minutes of just sitting and not putting any more stimulus in my brain or five minutes or 10 minutes or an hour class. I would, it's been in my life for quite a while, but I realized that I wasn't doing it in enough of a structured way to feel the triggers. Like it just wouldn't, wouldn't cancel out what I was stimulating my body to do. So I did Laura Poole's Vedic meditation course at the start of this year. It was something I invested in for myself. I took four days off and I did the course over four days. And it teaches you how to do 20 minutes twice a day, every day. And at the time, that was the biggest investment that I'd made in myself ever. Like 
40 minutes every single day. I haven't been consistent in anything along those lines. But since then, I've meditated 40 minutes every single day. And the difference has been incredible because people think meditation is emptying your brain, but really that's not possible. And that leads them to think that if they're closing their eyes and then just thinking the whole time, they're like, oh, I can't meditate. But that is meditating. Meditating is just not putting anything new in your brain. It's just giving you a moment for everything to catch up with you. And then you can start again without getting too far further down the hole. So for me, twice a day, I have a chance now to stop the adrenaline in its tracks, stop for 20 whole minutes, let my heart rate slow down, let my brain stop whirring so fast and go, okay, are my glands up? Am I really tired? Was that false energy just because I had a great meeting and I like skipped out of there, but it's actually false energy. And that's really helped me be more in touch with my body. Um, And I think that's really important. It doesn't have to be meditation for you, but it just has to be a stop to think about how you actually feel. And it's alarming how much we're not in touch with that. Most of the time when you ask someone how they are, I don't think they're actually saying how they really feel because we don't ever stop to feel it. So that's been a really important thing for me. Thank you so much for sharing that. You've actually just really inspired me. I love meditating, but I know that I could have a more regular practice. Oh, I'm so glad. That's wonderful. I actually did. I do these little quotes of the day every day on my Instagram. And one of the quotes from two days ago was that an hour of your day is only 4% of the day. And I just was blown away. I was like, how could I complain about 40 minutes when it's not even 4% of the time I have to choose how I live my life. So even half an hour or 10 minutes, like there's just no downside to stopping a little bit to take stock of yourself. That's crazy, isn't it? 4%. You'd think that everybody would have 4% of their time to dedicate to self-love. Totally. So for anyone new to matcha, can you talk us through the health benefits and some of your favorite ways to have matcha besides your daily matcha latte, of course? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so matcha sounds like a bit of a buzzword, but it's been around for centuries. It's literally just green tea leaves, which we're all really familiar with, ground into a fine powder. So instead of with a tea bag where you brew the leaves in the water and then you throw out the leaves, but just drink the brewed water, which still gives you lots of benefits. Matcha grinds those leaves into the powder and then you dissolve them into the water. So when you drink a cup of matcha, you swallow all the leaves and the, all the benefits along with it, which always confused me why that hasn't been the main way to drink green tea, because we're always trying to get our greens in with the spinach and kale and everything. I'm like, why have we been throwing them out all this time? So it started um, as a Zen Buddhist monk tea ceremony ritual for their meditation practices because their meditations were so long and so intense they needed a strong prolonged energy source that wouldn't send them into you know the jitters that coffee can give you and the crash and that would be sustained over a couple of hours so one of the great things about matcha is it has almost as much um oh i think it's just over half the coffee the caffeine of coffee but it has a unique amino acid in it called l-theanine which makes the caffeine slow release into your bloodstream. So over more than a couple of hours, it will still continue to have benefits for you. So it's been around, obviously, for centuries. And then in the recent years, I think it's had a little revival. And we like to think we've had a really big part 
in that. And it's come out because the health benefits of it are just enormous and it's never been marketed that way. So it's always been in Japan, you have a whisk, you have a full hand choreographed uh, ritual that goes around it. It happens in a special matcha room. You have to wash your mouth and your hands and everything before that happens. And it's a beautiful, beautiful part of Japanese culture. But we realized that with the 137 times the antioxidants of regular green tea and its benefits for immunity, skin, hair, you can apply it topically, you can bake with it, make raw balls with it, raw desserts, smoothies, lattes, anything. It's, it's so versatile that the modern market is going to need something easier to use. So we were like, how can we make it accessible? And that's how we brought it to life as a, like a middle ground, high quality organic powder. And my favorite way to use it, as you mentioned, is matcha lattes as a replacement for coffee because I used to always just feel like such a flog when I was out with my friends having coffee and I was like, I'm just going to have a two with a two bag. (laughs) But now I can have a latte. But I also throw it in everything. Like it started off with smoothies and cooking and then we got a little bit more adventurous and now I use it. Uh, we make a green tea salt up and when I'm you know, using salt on anything, it's also got little particles of green tea in it. Um, we put it in salad dressings, pesto it goes really well with. You can do it in smashed avo and it's so subtle when you're using just one serving amongst something that's really flavorsome that you can actually, if you don't like the taste of green tea but want the benefits, you can hide the flavor, which is the best thing about it. Um, and yeah, it also has great benefits for metabolism because caffeine in itself has really good thermogenic um, effects for your for your body and yeah the benefits are just endless there's so many ways that it's great for you and yeah so much to love oh there really is I can um, definitely vouch for that a few months ago I was really struggling with coffee and I I always kind of had I guess I was just totally ignoring it because I loved the taste so much but you know I'd get this crazy rush and all this anxious feeling in my stomach and I knew it was the coffee, but at the same time, I was like, oh, it just tastes so good and I want to drink it. <laughs> but it was like I always had to be on and I was always racing and I wasn't sleeping well. And you actually put a post up on Matcha Maiden encouraging everyone to do a seven-day matcha challenge. And I already loved matcha and, and did drink it, but I probably wasn't having it every single day. And I thought, you know what? That is so a sign that I need to try this. So I completely went off coffee and I started having my matcha lattes with coconut milk every day and I honestly cannot believe the difference in the way I feel the way I sleep my energy levels like I never wake up and think oh wow I need a coffee or I don't have those highs and lows during the day it's just such a consistent feeling and yeah I honestly cannot speak more highly about what it's done for me and after doing a bit more research it really is that, you know, a lot of women can't handle coffee and it, it really doesn't sit well with a lot of people, but we're so surrounded by it and it's so part of our daily routine to go and buy a coffee. And um, yeah, so I really hope that you can keep spreading the match of love because I think it's, um, yeah, it's an incredible product and it's just so good for our health and well-being. Um, Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that that's being recorded right now because that was the best soundbite ever. (laughs) I'm so glad you love it. And yeah, we really do try and encourage people through community, our little, you know, we call it the community. That's our family. Um, We do try and encourage people to do things like the Challenge to see 
the benefits. Like once you actually try it out, you can see your body adjusting to a healthier source of caffeine. And because that's the journey I've been through and I've been sort of thriving through that, I haven't had those jitters or that kind of heart racing feeling in so long. Um, it's, it's, I'm so great. I'm so, so glad to hear that the, the matcha challenge did help you realize that. Cause I think it is a cumulative effect as well. And yeah. no, well, thank you for making the product so available and <laughs> delicious. <laughs> um, now as well as matcha maiden, you also document your own health and wellness journey through your account spoonful of Sarah. Um, you stay very authentic and true to your down to earth personality in this. You often, you know, you mentioned your daily quotes before, which, I know a fan favorites to all your followers and you also do a very funny bloopers reel of whenever you <laughs> post a photo which I love um so I guess staying true to your down-to-earth personality was that a conscious decision when you started that platform and do you think it's definitely helped with the engagement of both um the matcha brand and yourself absolutely I think when we started the business, our personal Instagrams were very, very basic. They weren't actually ever meant to be anything. It was just a way of separating the content we were posting about the business from our stuff that was going on behind the scenes. And as the business started to grow and our profile started to grow, the same thing happened with us as founders that reflected really well on our personal brands which then started to sort of take on a life of their own which has been one of the most exciting opportunities that's come out of the business because matcha is a real platform for connection and a really great way to network with people who are like-minded and share the same passions as you but it's also quite a narrow forum for it when you think about it it's just it relies on people actually liking matcha or wanting to use it sometimes it's a bit geographically limited because we are based in melbourne and it's harder to convey your personal beliefs and your personal feelings and and um and your personal brand outside of the matcha context so i started to realize wow we've really captivated an audience separately that's interested in the journey like separately to whatever our product is or whatever way that we've changed our lives they they want to hear about that change and that's when speaking gigs started to pop up and um, opportunities for you know q a's or other kinds of other kinds of interviews started to show me that an equal amount of interest was there for the journey as was for the actual product. So they've become very different platforms. And I started to realize as I delved further and further into having a personal brand rather than just a, a personal page that's not really engaged and is just for fun. Well, it did. I mean, it did all start for fun and it still remains that way. But I realized that while there are so many benefits to Instagram, particularly because they allowed me to change my whole life path, um, and reach a whole audience of people without much investment there are also a lot of dangers and downsides and risks because it is a highlight reel of your life after all and that's what photos and albums and that's what everything has always been that's what advertising has always been even before social media but social media just makes it so much more regular and accessible and the exposure for young people is so much more in their faces all the time and with the editing apps that are available with um, the pressures on people to stay a particular image or particularly if it does become their livelihood to run their account, there's just a lot of breeding ground, I think, for some difficult and challenging behaviors on there. And one of the things that I always wanted was to not get drawn into that, particularly because that doesn't align with our actual brands, but also because it's not my personality. I've just never, 
I actually find it harder to be inauthentic because I have such a bad memory that I can't remember what I've said. Um, But I also think the brand is all about being who you are. And it's hard sometimes to get access to the bits behind the scenes that aren't as glamorous because no one really wants to post them. And not just because you're hiding stuff, but because you don't feel like taking a photo when you're feeling like crap. So it means that you miss out on a lot of the perspective giving content that would help you realize that some of these million follower people aren't just these unicorns that always look amazing and that are perfect at every angle. Like they probably are, but I really, really on a personal level appreciate it when I see accounts that also share like the outtakes of their videos or share their hilariously bogan accent on stories or share little snippets of their life that just remind you it doesn't have to be all the time it doesn't have to be every post on their page but just the ones that show you every now and then that they're human it it's the same when celebrities do it like you know hollywood celebrities when they do something that shows the human element of them and reminds you that you're all the same it just brings you back down to earth and makes you feel really good so i was like even on a small scale if i can do that I want to remind people that only three years ago, I was a corporate who had two followers on Instagram, had no idea about social media, had no idea about business, but you can transform yourself in a really short amount of time. And that that does involve, you know, being in the fetal position on the floor crying because you have no idea what the frick you're doing or um, packing stuff in your undies at midnight with all your family around, like rallying to get an order out, but then pretending like it's all flashy and glamorous on the outside. Like there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes and you don't want to share all of it, but I think it's important to share, to share some of it. And so the bloop loops were, I realized that I was almost falling into that habit of just putting my favorite photos which is natural, but putting only my favorite photos up. And I was like, I don't look like that all the time. In fact, most of the time I don't because I'm working all day and then I'll go to an event and I do put on lots of makeup and a pretty outfit and take a great photo. But I was like, I'm feeling like I'm not representing the right proportion of what my time looks like. So I use stories to every time I put up, because it takes like a thousand photos, you know, so many takes to get the one that you're happy with. And I was like, there's all this crap on my camera roll. I need to show people that that's what it takes. So they don't just think that, you know, there's not all this stuff behind it. And it was more an accountability thing for myself. I was like, how am I going to keep myself in check? Because we're going to get bigger and the temptation is going to get greater. So I need to commit to things that will keep me in check. So I chose the photos I hated the most and was like, just put it out there. Like the first time I was like, just do it. Just do it. It's 24 hours. It's a story. Like, what have you got to lose? It's just, I didn't even think anyone else would see it. I was just like, for me, I need to get comfortable again with sharing what I actually look like half the time. Otherwise, I feel awkward. And also, you don't want to end up in that position either where you meet people in real life and they're like, oh, you don't want to be a disappointment. (laughs) So... It started like that. And then I was like, every time, because I get some great bloops, like I get some really, really great triple chins going on and like eyes half shut. My eyes aren't big at the best of times, but you know, there's, there's, it's just a bit of fun. You need to show that you can make fun of yourself as well. So it's become something that I really enjoy and I really appreciate. Um, I probably do it too often now, but I think there are just so many things you can do to keep it real keep yourself in check and it's it's really important because social media is so glossy and glamorous yeah no I love that and I love that you stayed so true to that and share that with your audience because especially for the younger people um I think now you know a lot of my younger cousins they're like 
15, 14 and they're on social media and I just think, wow, it's such a different world to when we grew up. Um, you know, and you even notice they don't go through an ugly stage. They don't have like dorky clothes. <laughs> <laughs> they're all so cool. And it's because of social media. And I think it, it's so important to keep that realness. And so thank you so much for doing that and bringing that to your channel. Oh. <laughs> um, I guess one thing I do want to know though is with Matcha, you manage the social media for Matcha Maiden and the Milk Bar and then your personal channel. How do you actually switch off when you've got all of that flooding in on a daily basis on your phone and I guess running to and from meetings? Yeah, it's definitely been something that at one stage did consume me quite a lot and I was getting notifications all the time. And as we got more followers, I think we've got over 80,000 on two of the accounts and I'm about 50. And you end up getting so many notifications that you miss a lot of the tags. Like when you get tagged in a photo, you can always go back and see that. But if someone tags you in a comment or even just writes a comment on your image and then lots of other stuff happens in the meantime, it gets pushed down. So I went through a phase where I had to check it all the time so I didn't miss anything. Because while you're growing your business, if someone big comments, you don't want to miss that opportunity. Um, And I spent probably a good year being really heavily committed to just being on social media all the time and I think there is a stage in your business journey where you need to do that not all the time but particularly if you actually enjoy it and I really love content creation it wasn't hard for me to just commit that extra bit of investment of energy and resources into it while we were growing also because that was the main way that we did grow and we were getting great results I was like this is actually worth it I'm going to give a little bit of my life to being on it all the time Um, And then getting smarter about it as we became more aware of tools that can help you with that. We started scheduling as well. So uh, with the Matcha Maiden site, we post on US time as well. It's not as relevant on Matcha Milk Bar, but I couldn't obviously stay up all night. And I started off setting alarms and doing it that way. And then I just realized it was a silly thing to do. So we use tools like Schedgram. Um, I think there are quite a few other options of things that will post for you overnight. And then started to get better and better at managing it and then got to the stage where um, because my personal account was becoming quite big as well then balancing three was just too difficult and we got um, we've got a permanent part-timer called Ange Angelina she's absolutely incredible and she's an all-rounder in the business Um, she's actually ended up starting her own business uh, halfway through her time with us and it's been amazing to have someone um, to share the journey with who's as passionate about the product as we are and she has become a big part of the social management the you know she's got the brand voice down pat all of that consistency is really important and as soon as we found someone who could do that um, and who could keep the tone consistent and the imagery and had the same standards for visuals and stuff as I did um, I handed over a lot of that to her so she sort of runs um, the day-to-day and looks out for things that she knows we'd want to follow up with particular influencers or um, friends or, you know, she knows the accounts to look out for um, and we'll highlight those for us and then we'll send personal responses to the things that are really important. And I obviously still manage my own account and that's often has to take a back seat um, to, the, to the businesses. But then every now and then it's like a nice outlet as well to just pop up something and share something exciting that's happening behind the scenes or to just say like shit has hit the fan so that people know you know what's going on but it 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 is a very hard line to draw and there are still times when I go away for a couple of days we try and 
get away to the country as much as we can where there's not great reception and just leave our phones for a while. And once I'm switched off, it takes a while, but once I am switched off, I'm totally dead to the world. And I thrive on just like looking at leaves and like feeling the wind on my face. And then I get back and I realize how connected I had become just by contrast. I'm like, wow, I was obsessed with my phone before I left. Like I was way too tuned into how many notifications I was getting. And it to a point is inevitable. And so my way of managing that has been every now and then inject a little perspective giver and just drop it for a while and then come back to it so you don't ever get too deep. The other thing is I've turned off a lot of my notifications. I've realized you can customize a lot of them. So you can, um, you know, cut out just the likes. You don't need to see the likes, I think, a lot of the time. It's just the comments or the tags. So you can turn those off or you can turn them on for people you follow and off for people who you don't follow but who they follow you. You know, you can customize so much of what you do to minimize what you're getting as well. And that's really helped me. And then we also have set boundaries for the time of day that we finish using our phones. So Nick and I, obviously, we work and live together and we'd spend our whole day actually working and then we'd spend the evening like lying in bed next to each other but on our phones separately just catching up on everything. And, you know, that's part of what you have to do but it was getting to the silly point where we were like, okay, phone time and then, okay, sleep time and then up and work time and it was just this weird cycle. So... We now turn our phones off or put them away at least um, before dinner or after dinner. And unless there's something really urgent going on, try to just leave them after that. And that's helped a lot as well. And then Sundays. Sundays are no phone days because I figured in every time zone that we operate in, it's a weekend. So no one can expect you to get back to them. Keep an eye on it. But, you know, it's, it's got to, you've got to have boundaries somewhere. It's amazing to listen to the journey of, you know, where you started and having one account to then managing three and realizing along the way just how taxing it is on your life. And it's great to hear that you have set those boundaries. And I love that you you don't have your phone on Sunday. Are there any other daily practices in your life other than meditation and setting boundaries that are a must have for you to be your best self? Definitely. I think the more I have developed as a business person, um, or just as a person, really, the more I've realized that you can't actually serve anyone effectively unless you serve yourself first. And I still have trouble implementing that, but the realization is the important thing. <laughs> um, and so I realized putting routines into your life just takes, it takes the challenge of working something into your life out of it. So before I was so ad hoc, I'd be like, yeah, I've got this goal to do exercise, but I didn't actually put it anywhere in my week. And one of the big strategies for me has been to actually calendarize everything because then you treat everything on an even playing field. Meetings are treated the same as exercise, which is treated the same as massage, which is treated the same as meditation. And I have a rule that you can't delete anything out of that schedule, like especially the self-care things, you just have to move them. So they have to happen, even if it has to be a different time than you thought. It's to be treated with the same seriousness as a meeting. That's been really important just visually for like diagramming all the things that have to go in my day no matter what else happens because everything else is changes every day. There's no predictability. So I, you need to have some structure for your body just to not crash and burn all the time because it, it doesn't know when things are going to happen. So one of the things I do put in apart from meditation is I get – quite bad anxiety I always have I think it's a byproduct of being so a-type and like crazy in the brain but yeah when I overstimulate I get quite bad anxiety and it sometimes can be quite crippling where you just 
you know, you don't want to leave the house or you get a real resistance to actually focusing your brain on anything or you just don't feel like being around people. There's a really funny meme that's, it's too peopley out there. And I'm like, yep, that's me some days. And I, by nature, am quite outgoing and excited and I thrive off relationships and I love people. But part of the recharge from that is also hibernating a little bit and going inwards. And one thing that's incredible for managing that kind of stress on your body is just a half an hour walk a day. And that's something that's more powerful than anything else that I've done is just to get outside and walk for half an hour. And we happen to have a beautiful golden retriever who's a lovely excuse to go for a walk. So that's something that I lock in. Um, And Nick also comes with me. And that's another time when we don't take our phones and we don't talk business. So we actually have to chat about stuff, which the first time we started doing it again, we were like, what are we talking about when we're not working? Like, so how's that weather? Hmm. <laughs> but it's that was a you know that was a big sign that we hadn't been doing it enough if we didn't know what to talk about so yeah a half an hour walk um, the meditation twice a day and then the one other thing that I do which seems like such an indulgence but I've come to see it as a real investment in my well-being is I go out for breakfast every single day because I know, you know, for some people it's like that's so expensive or that's so indulgent or that's so whatever, but I don't really shop that much. I'm not a big clothes or bags or jewelry or shoes person. I'm such an experienced person and we work really long days and we ask a lot of our bodies and I love food and getting up out of the house. When you work for yourself, you could just sit in your pajamas and work all day. So going out for breakfast, it gets me up, gets me excited in the morning. It lets me kind of fuel my body really well and give my brain time to wake up and orientate myself in the day before I jump in, kind of look at my emails, get it all in perspective, look at my calendar and really prepare for the day instead of just jumping straight in the car and like going to somewhere. Um, And it makes me happy. So I stopped feeling guilty about it a little while ago and I was like, screw it. I don't really go out for dinner. I don't drink. So that also is another big expense that most people don't have. I'm like, do not judge me for my breakfast habits, girl. Like it's just my thing and makes me happy. So yeah, I do it every day. That is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I seriously love that. Um, What's your go-to brekkie? Oh, okay. So I got given, this is sorry, a really long way of answering this question, but I got given a beautiful book actually by Ange for my birthday last year, I think it was, where she sent a list of questions to all my friends and and all our business contacts and pretty much everyone that's ever met me. And it was three things I've learned from Sarah. And like 90% of them came back with references to my, my same breakfast that I order every time. So anyone who's ever gone to breakfast with me will probably know the answer to this question already. But wherever I go, the go-to is poached eggs, medium to hard poached. I don't like soft yolks with some kind of green, usually spinach, definitely half an avocado and mushrooms always, always mushrooms. Yeah, so that's my awesome. In the that morning. sounds really <laughs> yum. I like that. It's the same every time. <laughs> hey, that's okay. That's okay. No Eggs judgment and here. <laughs> and a matcha latte, obviously. Of course, absolutely. Now, before we wrap up, we just have a few final questions for you. So, can you please tell us what your number one health tip is? Oh goodness me, that's a hard one. Um, I love quotes, so I'll give you a quote. My number one health quote is look after your body. It's the only place you have to live. And that's a really good one for me because it puts it in perspective that everything else in your whole life is temporary. 
nothing else, no place, no person, no experience, no job, no money, nothing else sticks with you your whole entire existence on this earth. But your body is the shell that represents your experience and represents who you are to everyone else in the world. And if you don't look after it, you're stuck with that shit shell. So just make sure you look after it for the long haul because our average lifespan is a lot longer now than it used to be and quality of life over quantity of life for sure and yeah I think we all thrash our bodies around a little bit um, as a slave to our brains and the things that we want to achieve but you're going to be stuck with your body so make sure you look after it because you can't perform or spread your message or achieve anything unless your body's in check first. Yeah, I love that one so much. Um, it's really funny. I think about that a lot because my grandma is actually 93, which is amazing. But wow. every day, whenever she feels down, she literally gets up and goes for a walk. And she always says to me, it's because I still have my body and I can still move. And she's so grateful for that. So looking after that is so important. And I often think back to that quote. So thank you for sharing that. Um, another one we'd love to know is what is something we can do to bring more balance to our life so that the hustle is healthy? Ooh, that's a very interesting one. I think the biggest realization I've had over the past year is that everyone needs a hobby. And if you have a hobby, then you're automatically putting balance in your life because you're doing something with your time or working something regularly into your time that's not related to your work. So you're hustling on the side, but you're looking after joy and play. And I think I had moved my passion and turned it into my profession. And I forgot that then I had no passion. Like I had no passion project on the side. I had no hobbies because I'd turned my hobby into my job. And so for two years, that's probably part of the big crash was I had nothing on the side that could let my brain rest. And even yoga or, you know, F45 or exercises, we always do fitness collaborations through Matcha Maiden or they come to Milk Bar. It's still networking and I'm still on in a work context, but I didn't replace that with anything. And life is always a balance of three things. I've actually got a triangle tattoo to remind me of this exact thing. It's work, rest, play, like mind, body, soul. There's always three things that kind of balance in in the perfect symmetrical triangle. And I was just doing work and rest. There was no play. Or I was just doing like mind and body, but not soul. Your soul needs play and it needs to be something that's not for anything. Another quote is, time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. And that reminds me that I need to do something that is technically a waste of time for my job, but that brings joy and fun and life. And that creates the balance. So the stupidest things like gardening. One day I just started weeding and I was like, fuck yeah, gardening. Like I can't use my hands for my phone. I can't do anything. And the end result is a pretty garden. Like what is the downside? Or trashy TV. Like I absolutely soak up dumb tv shows and like i'm you know a pretty intellectual person and like some of the shows that i watch i wouldn't admit to anyone because they're really embarrassing but you've just got to do the things that make you happy that distract you from your work and so another project i've done in my time is writing down i was so detached from what i enjoyed doing and from the concept of joy that when someone asked me in the first year i think it was what do you love doing other than work i was like hmm 
I got no answers, which is great because it means I love my job, but terrible because that's so, that's awful. I don't know what I like. So I wrote in a journal every time I was doing an activity and I felt really good, I wrote it down. And then I came back to it after, I think it was a couple of months and was like, what are the things that appear the most? And I think one of them was dancing or music related things. Another one of them was gardening. Another one of them was TV. And then I love music. So like going back to instruments and writing music and all those things that you do when you're younger and they just drop off your radar and you forget about them. And none of them contribute to our work at all. So I've just like realized I have to integrate more of those into my life. Hobbies. That's where it's at. That is perfect and a massive theme in my life at the moment. I found that with my business, if I wasn't working, I was either listening to podcasts or I was studying and I quickly had the realization that that's still on and I'm not really having any time for play. So within the last month, I've really made it a big mission to get down to the Great Ocean Road and go swimming in the beach or do a few things that... I wouldn't really take the time for myself to do and also get to know my local area as well because I've always been striving to go on a big holiday. Um, Next Friday, I'm going to Sri Lanka with my family, which I'm so excited about. I cannot wait. But I then also thought that I shouldn't have to wait for six months to go to Sri Lanka to have that downtime and to have that play. So how can I introduce that play into my life every week? So yeah, it's a big thing for me this year is to make sure that every single week I'm doing something with my family or even with my girlfriends or by myself to have fun and enjoy my time um, in my local area as well. So I don't, it's not too hard to implement. Yeah, that's so, so great. And that just reminded me of something that um, has also come up for us is that it really helps to identify the things that make you so engrossed that you forget what time it is or you forget what your to-do list is. And it helps to not be able to actually use your hands. Like that's why gardening is good because you're forced to not be on your devices or you're forced to not be in your office. Um, Forcing yourself into those contexts is really useful, which is why we've realized I need to get out of town. Like if I'm in Melbourne and I'm not doing anything, I feel awkward and I feel weird. And it comes to a point where you're like, okay, I just need to accept that about myself and then not be in Melbourne. Like once you know what works for you and what doesn't, do it. So we're like, it doesn't cost a lot to go away for one night. Drive an hour. Like there's so much around. Even go on a day trip and just spend the whole day somewhere else. But know the things that help you switch off and then just put a little bit of time into them while you train your brain to do it. So we've been going to the country. I think we've been out of Melbourne like almost more than every second weekend for all of this year because I realized we don't have any big chunks of time at the moment where we can do an overseas trip. But the, the first time we can do that is way too far away. Like we won't make it till then. So exactly what you said, like implement things, smaller things each day or each week that you can do um, and identify those things. Like I know that I'm doing something good for me when, I've, when I'm doing something and I've forgotten what time it is or what day it is. That's a really good indicator that, you know, like painting or I did something the other day and I was just there for four hours and I thought it had been 20 minutes. And I was like, I haven't had that kind of, vortex black hole of time in ages but they're the things we need so what advice would you give to your younger self oh goodness I like Maddie said before I'm so glad that my younger self lived in a time where we didn't have social media 
And that's, I think, one of the things that has motivated me so much to be very, like, try and be as authentic as I can because I want to create an environment where I could have a daughter that I'm not, like, you know, frenetically worried about all the time. I think I would say to my younger self, um, life doesn't always turn out how you plan. Sometimes turns out better because... I was very, very stuck on plans and five-year plans and 10-year plans for so long, but ended up completely somewhere that I had no idea I would ever end up, but it's worked out better. And the other thing I would tell her is doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. That's my favorite quote of all time and really hits that heart spot of women and men, but particularly women, where self-doubt is just so innate and can be really destructive and it's a natural thing. I don't think the aim is ever to not have self-doubt. I think everyone has it, but it's to not be controlled by it. Just acknowledge it and be like, yeah, cool. I'm probably going to be a bit worried or a bit embarrassed or conservative or, you know, worried about myself. And that just means you care and you're doing something worthy, but don't let it make you decide not to do something. You should always give it a try. And what's the worst that can happen? You said that just perfectly. And just our final question. So what does a day on your plate look like, Sarah? Oh, (laughs) well, it's a very big plate to start with in real life for food and also metaphorically for how much we squeeze into a day. Uh, Do you mean day in a plate like what food wise? Yeah, for all the food junkies out there. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, so we've been through my breakfast. First thing, I have a big brekkie, two eggs, half an avocado, some kind of greens, a big plate of mushies, lots of butter. I love butter. Um, then in the mid morning, I'll usually have some kind of snack. Like I love almond butter. I'm obsessed with it, which anyone who's ever met me will know. So I, I'll have like an apple with almond butter slathered all, all over it or some kind of fruit or maybe yogurt with some nuts. Um, then lunchtime will be, I'm often at milk bar for lunch because, you know, it's nice to have a cafe where you can eat all the time. And we have like these big Buddha bowl style bowls that just have lots of everything in it one of my favorites is we've got this um, caramelized miso eggplant bowl that's got collie rice and bok choy and it's absolutely amazing with tahini and avocado and that's um, one of my favorite go-to lunches Um, otherwise I'll have like a salad or roast veggies with some kind of protein Uh, and then in the afternoon I always around three or four o'clock need another like pick me up Um, I love protein balls or um, nuts and almond butter again like I just go through jars of almond butter like it's a drink it's <laughs> not great <laughs> um, fruit love fruit um, or yogurt again like yeah I'm just whatever's around really it's like something I just need something at that point to like get me through to dinner and then for dinner um, Nick and I love eating out um, not like fancy eating out, but just we've got a lot of little locals around us that are really cute. There's a really cute local Vietnamese and we might have fur or um, I always feel like such a weirdo saying fur, but then I feel bad saying pho. So anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Um, or we'll go for Japanese. I love sashimi and sushi and stir fry. Um, if we cook, we often do roasts. I love roast everything. So often do a roast or a stir fry or uh, we love barbecuing that's like one of our favorite things to do so we'll just barbecue all year round um yeah and then I always finish off with some kind of dessert 
like love um, chocolate coated nuts. They're my favorite. Um, also, I, I love, I'm a big yogurt lover. We've actually been in the Chobani incubator program and they've been giving us trays of yogurt, which is the best thing in the whole world. Um, or I'll make something like a chia pudding or some kind of yummy dessert. Um, yeah, that's my day. Wow, that sounds delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be pretty happy to have a day on your plate every day. Oh, I eat all through the day. I never stop. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We've absolutely loved getting to chat with you and getting to know you a little bit more. So, yeah, thanks for joining the Healthy Hustlers podcast. For anyone listening, if you'd like to stay up to date with Sarah's journey, you can follow her at... Spoonful underscore of underscore Sarah or matcha underscore maiden or matcha underscore milkpa. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review and subscribe so you can keep up to date with our new episodes each week. For a dose of weekly happy, healthy news, you can subscribe to our newsletter via our website at thehealthyhustlers.com. Until next week, make sure that you're investing in yourself to keep the hustle healthy.